Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Hello. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you guys for coming. Thanks for being here. Um, uh, sorry if I'm a little slow. I was jet lagged. I was in Virginia this last week. And uh, I know it's hard and expensive to live in California, but uh, if you ever visit any other place on the East Coast or Midwest, you just, the weather, you're like, man, it was, you know, it's May and it was so humid and rainy and terrible. Uh, and I was just so thankful to get back here to cooler weather. So um, anyway, a couple quick things before we get started. Um, there will be cookies and stuff on the patio for um, everybody to enjoy and partake for Mother's Day after the service. Um, if uh, you weren't with us, you know, there were some big announcements that we made about Vox and the continuing of Vox. And so uh, <clears throat> if you want to process Bruce, one of our our, uh, our elders, our pastors uh, here is going to be holding a process group in the uh, physical education building that we normally meet in for the spiritual practices workshop. If you're not familiar with that, you just go out the building and all the way down, it says physical education on the building. Uh, Bruce will be there and uh, he'll be there to meet with you and talk with you and uh, hopefully a group will show up and you guys can process through some of those, maybe some of the hard times, the feelings that you're having about um, uh, Vox. And so we want, invite you to do that as well. As always, uh, if you have questions, um, you can text your questions to us. We'll continue to answer those questions or respond to the questions as best we can. Um, and so I think we have the number. I don't know if we have that up for you guys. Um, text those numbers if you uh, text that number if you'd like, and um, we'll, we'll respond. And then a couple other announcements. Uh, next week and the following week, our last two weeks here will be family services. So there will not be childcare. So bring your children into service. It should be a wild time with all the kids in here. So it'll be fun. So bring your kids bring them into service. It'll be a big family uh, kind of get together. So, all right, this morning uh, I was kind of racking my brain about what I was going to teach on, and I didn't want to do like the traditional like Mother's Day that pastors do. You know, it's like, I'm not a mom. I don't know what it's like to be a mom, but I could give you some passages out of scripture to make it sound like I knew, and I don't know. That's not my experience. So I didn't do that. Um, and just given in light of the um, where we're at as a community and what's coming, I thought it would be important to talk about uh, the value of friendship, the value of community. Um, and then there's something in there for mothers too, because obviously there's a part of this story, I think, that fits appropriately for who moms are in our life. So the passage that we're going to look at this morning is out of Luke chapter 5. So we'll have the verses up there, Luke chapter 5. This particular passage is set um, where Jesus has been starting his ministry and has been doing some healing, um, and he's got crowds gathered, and obviously in the crowd, there's, it's mixed. There's lots of people who are, who are skeptical, lots of people who are cynical. There are the religious leaders, the ones who uh, want to drive Jesus out because of what he stands for and the subversive nature of the kingdom that he's been teaching. Um, and then there are people who are desperate to just get close to this person who is teaching about this revolutionary way of life. And so that's sort of the setting, the backdrop of this. And so I'm going to just read the first portion of this, and then we'll jump into it as we talk about uh, the faith of friendship. Uh, one day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees, that's the religious leaders, the, the teachers of the day, mostly these are people who were literate and who had the ability to learn and to read. And so they're, they're there, they're watching. Teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So get the idea. There's lots of people around, right? I mean, this is growing uh, popularity. People are coming around just to see who this person is. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. 
some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him uh, in his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, for those of you who are Bible nerds, and who know this story and have maybe read it in a different gospel, Mark tells it a little bit differently. Uh, Mark tells it as like the roof is sort of with reeds and mud and kind of thatched together, and that's sort of the roof that, that Mark talks about. And again, if you take the Bible literally and you start to go through it, you can draw some really weird conclusions about it. Um, and the reason why Luke has this, this difference of uh, the way he tells the story is perhaps because of his audience, that um, the writers understood their audience and their, uh, their context and their social context. Context. And so the place in which Luke is writing from, uh, they didn't have those kind of roofs. They had tiled roofs. And so he's telling the story to relate to the people. So again, this is a very good example of understanding the literary context of Scripture. So anyway, uh, they go through the mat and the tiles, the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Really, really important stuff. The, the way that, that Luke weaves this in, the words that he chooses, he says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. So this morning, we're talking about the faith of our friends, the faith of friendship. So let me pray for us this morning, and then we'll dive right in. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this community. Uh, thank you, most importantly, for um, the, the mothers in our lives. Uh, Without them, we, quite frankly, would not be here. And so we're grateful. We know this is also a very difficult time for lots of people uh, where relationships are strained or severed or lost. Um, and so we pray that you would be a God of comfort to those who need it. Uh, we pray that you would be a God of reflection and remembrance for those who also need that. And uh, we pray that um, as we enter into the rest of our day, whatever our feelings are going into it, that we would know that um, there are people in a community around us who love us and care for us. And we're grateful that this place has existed and is here. And we, we believe that it will continue to exist in the hearts and the minds of the people that are here. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So I, I, forgive me if I've told this story before, but it's, it's such a good story and uh, I have to tell it. But um, <clears throat> SoCal, lots of people go surfing. Anybody surf? Anybody surf? Okay. Well, some people surf. Um, it's a pretty big thing uh, at the church I was at. A lot of guys on the staff would go surfing. Uh, I've never been one to go surfing, mostly because uh, waves can be terrifying, right? I mean, you get in the waves and you get smacked and you get tumbled and you think you're gonna die. You know that feeling when you hit a wave and you're underwater and you're like, I'm gonna die, and then you pop up and you're like, you've only been under for like three seconds. So for me, surfing was never something I wanted to do. Uh, but my friends had been just kind of go, come on, come on, we'll take you out there. It'll be great. It's going to be awesome. Come on, you, you can do it. I'm like, okay. So one day after work, I bring trunks, and we go to Newport, Blackies, which is right there at the pier. And uh, that day, and I learned this after the fact, so thanks a lot to my friends who didn't tell me this, you just can't decide on a day to go surfing because conditions are not always right. Okay, for those of you who surf, you understand this. Um, sometimes the waves are not good. Sometimes the wind is not good. Um, sometimes the current is not good. On the day that I went, all of those things were bad, and they didn't tell me. So uh, we get out there, and the first thing you have to do is get your wetsuit on, right? This is already a challenge. So I'm exhausted from trying to put on the wetsuit. And then the second thing you have to do is take your board and get past all of the waves that are breaking out into the lineup, right? Seems like an easy task. It's not. Uh, the waves are coming really consistent. I mean, there went, it's like one of the things is the current was pulling everything towards the pier, and the waves were coming in, and they were slamming really hard and really heavy. And so 
for about 10 minutes, I struggled to try to get my board past the first few sets of waves. And I thought, I, I don't even know how I'm going to get out there. And so I'm trying, I'm trying everything, I'm trying everything, and I'm like exhausted. After 10 minutes, a friend of mine who's already out in the lineup comes out, feels bad for me, comes out, and he's like, here, I'll take the board, I'll get out there, you just swim, okay? Thinking that'll be easier still hard. Uh, I'm like exhausted. I get out to the lineup finally. And I'm like, I'm just like laying on my board. Like just, I'm just exhausted. I'm tired. My shoulders, this, I don't surf. I don't have those, those muscles to do that. And so I'm like laying there on the board. And again, I'm fighting this current that's pulling everything towards the pier, right? So there's lots of white waves, consistent, pulling towards the pier. And finally, I'm like, okay, I've caught my breath. I'm ready to go. They're like, okay, here you go. Here's what you're going to do. They didn't really even give me any like setup for how this is going to go or what to think about or what potential dangers or pitfalls to to get through. So the waves come. They're like, go, go, go. Pedal, pedal, pedal. They give me a push. They shove me, right? Wave comes. I start to go. I feel like the board is going over the edge of the waves. And this is like, in my mind, this is nightmare scenario, right? I don't want to go over the fall. I don't want to get slammed into the ground. I don't want to be tumbled, you know, and I'm like, this is not good. So as the wave is going down, I pull off the board. I try to pull back. Well, if you've ever done this, you know that trying to fight the power of the water is just not really in your benefit. So I'm trying to fight it. I go over the falls. I get tumbled. When I come up out of the water, my board has gone around the pylon on the pier attached to my leg on a leash, and I went the other way, right? So you can picture that. So now I'm stuck on the the pylon underneath the pier, getting pulled into the pier. There are barnacles that are really sharp that have attached to there, and so I'm like trying not to touch this. Meanwhile, the waves are crashing on top of me consistently, pulling me over, and in, in this moment... I thought for sure I'm going to die here in Newport underneath the pier. Like, this is just, I thought this is the end of it. I went surfing my first time and I died. <laughs> my friend sees me and comes over on his surfboard. And he's, he's coming to me and he's like, get your leash off. And I, I hear him as the waves are crashing. He's get your leash off. So he jumps off his board. When he jumps off his board, his board has a fin and it hits me in the head. Then his leash subsequently wraps around my neck. This happened to me in real life. And I'm like, what is happening? I, this is all happening so fast. And, uh, and I'm like trying to reach down there and get my leash off. I finally get my leash off. And it was like this weird sort of out of body experience. I like, I was underwater, the waves hit, I bounced off a pylon and then we were on the other side of the pier. And it was like really shallow and I could stand up and we just kind of looked at each other and he was like, dude, that was crazy. I'm like, I almost died. You know, and, and as I was thinking about the story uh, after the fact, if it wasn't for my friend, I don't know what it would have happened. Honestly, like if he didn't have come over and, try, and just talk me through getting my leash off and choking me with his own leash, I don't know what would have happened, you know? And that's, that's sort of like, we, we need friendships in life, right? We need people in our lives to help us, to walk us through difficult situations, to be with us when we get in tight spots, right? This is the value of being in community. Life is better with friendships, they support us, they cheer us on, they carry us when we can't carry ourselves. Friendships are beautiful, we were made to be in relationship and in community. Everybody, at some point in their life, is going to need friends. Uh, this is true, uh, and this is what's happening in this story, is uh, Luke is pointing out the value of community and faith and people, and we see this in the story. So in verse 18, it says, some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. 
And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and lowered him on his mat uh, through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, there's some major cultural implications that are happening in the story that you need to be aware of um, so that you understand the larger context of the story. First and foremost, first century Jewish people would have understood that physical ailments, deformities, sicknesses were always tied to some sort of sin. Um, there's some precedent in, in the book of Exodus to see this. And, and so immediately when somebody was born with something, they'd assume that there was a sin in their family or in their life that had caused them to be this way. And because of this, it created a lot of marginalization. It created a lot of guilt and shame in the culture. It pushed people away from the, the, the center, the hub of who God was. And so there's, uh, there's lots of people in this time suffering from, from not being included, uh, not being even able to go to the temple because they're, they're sick. There's something wrong with them. They're sinful. And ironically, the only way that they could be quote-unquote healed, was to be able to go to the temple to offer a sacrifice. But again, because you're marginalized, you don't get access to that. And so you can understand uh, the, the gravity of this situation. These friends who have probably journeyed with this paralyzed man his entire life. I don't know the story. I don't know the background, but you could just see it. Um, they really care for him. They love him. They want him to be healed. They want him to be able to have access to Jesus, and they realize that this is hindering him. And so they catch wind of this Jesus guy who's going around teaching. And it says, Luke tells the story that people were being healed left and right. And so in their mind, there was never a doubt that if they got their friend there, that he would be healed. By any means necessary is what they were thinking. And so they were, they were the extent that they were willing to go for their friend, to see their friend heal, to have access again, um, is huge. When your faith fails you, friends become an important part of your life to rely on. It's why for some of us who've been through deconstruction, and you begin to deconstruct sort of your faith and your, your understanding of the Bible and who God is, it can become a very scary place if you do it alone. And when you try to talk to people who are not in deconstruction, well, you look like a crazy person. Amen. And so, so when you find people who have walked down that path of deconstruction a little bit and they give you the permission and they say it's okay, that you're okay, you're in good company, you can keep going, you almost feel like, okay, there's, there's something here. I can keep walking. See, when we meet communities of people who think similar and who are giving us permission and are open and willing, it helps us. It helps grow our faith. In fact, in Jesus' life, in the most um, monumental moment of his whole entire life, the Garden of Gethsemane, when he goes before God to ask if there's any other way, he doesn't go alone. In the story, he takes his three best friends, Peter, James, and John, he takes them with him into uh, the garden and says, will you keep watch over me? Will you pray with me? Will you look after me in these moments? If the Son of God invites community into his life, what does it say about us? If we are image bearers, if we are made in the image of God, if we have that in us, it tells us something about how we're supposed to live our life, that we should be in community, that we should invite community into the hardest parts of our life. Now, that's hard because, you know, we have lots of different feelings about that. Some people don't want, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to keep it private. It's my issue. I'll deal with it. I don't want to have anybody else. Now, some of that might be some humility, pride things. I get that. But here Jesus invites them into his life. Now, while we're talking about the faith of others that can carry us, there's something here for moms, right? Because moms are like this. 
Moms have the faith to carry on for us uh, when, when we don't have the faith, right? Because moms, they believed in you before anybody else believed in you. In fact, moms will believe in you even when your dad doesn't believe in you, right? Moms always have the best interest uh, in their children and in mind, and they're always believing in their moms. In fact, um, moms will have faith in you uh, in moments when you don't have faith in yourself. They can comfort you. They can remind you of who you are. They can call out the best parts of you and remind you um, that there's more. Uh, Moms have the kind of faith to pray people out of your life. Um, I dated some pretty terrible people, looking back. And my mom never told me this, but my mom would pray that I would not be with this person. And you know, obviously, there were some pretty bad ones. My mom never said anything. She was great. She wasn't intrusive. But after the fact, my mom said, I prayed so hard that she would be gone. So moms, moms have that kind of faith. I've seen it. I've talked to grandmothers, grandmothers who have prayed for their grandkids, and I've seen mountains move because of grandmothers who've had faith and prayed. So we're thankful for moms, for the faith that they have in us, the way that they carry us, even when we don't have faith in ourselves, the way that you remind us of who we are, where we've come from. So we're thankful for moms. We were created for each other, because sometimes you just can't get there by yourself. It's hard. Life is difficult filled with all kinds of ups and downs, and so doing it alone can become difficult. The paralytic had no way of getting himself healed. How was he to get to the temple to offer sacrifice? He's paralyzed. He can't move. And so his friends, they carry him when his faith couldn't. Let me ask you a question. As you hear this story, take a little bit of inventory in your life. Where in your life are you like that paralytic? Where has fear, anxiety, hurt, emotional pain, physical pain, where have these things caused you to come to a standstill? Afraid to move forward, afraid to push on, afraid to to keep going. Where Where are those things in your life? And who knows about them? Who knows about those deep parts of your life? Maybe, maybe it's your spouse. Does your spouse know those things? Does your family know those things? I mean, part of some of the breakdown in my own relationship, my own marriage with my wife, was that we were keeping things from each other, that we were not telling our deepest hurts, our deepest pains, our sadness, our anxiety, our fears. We weren't sharing those things. Where are you in this story like the paralyzed man who can't move, who's maybe lost faith? Who have you invited in? Maybe you believe that it's easier if you just dealt with it yourself. You don't need to bother anybody. There's no reason to put this burden on nobody, and I I can do it. I can get through this. How's that worked out? Paul in Galatians, he gives a stern warning um, to the Galatian people about how they walk with somebody who's fallen into sin, somebody who has uh, made some mistakes. First thing is he says to get wise people involved. Second thing he says is that we should carry each other's burdens. That we shouldn't walk through life and have heavy situations sit on someone's shoulders unnecessarily without people coming alongside to walk it with them. Because it's difficult. Because it's hard. And you shouldn't have to and you weren't designed that way. And so sometimes we need people, friends, family, who have faith, who can carry us through those moments of difficulty. 
The problem with that mindset of independence, of I can do it myself, or I don't need help, or I don't, I don't want to burden anybody, is that oftentimes independence will lead to isolation. And when you isolate, um, it gets even worse because then you have nobody to bounce things off of. You have no way to triangulate um, what your experience is like. Sometimes um, you can think that the world is falling down, right? Like for me, I'm a catastrophizer. My therapist has reminded me this a lot. You catastrophize, and it's true. Um, But I didn't know I catastrophized until somebody held up a mirror to show me, oh yeah, you're catastrophizing. Like I could, anything could happen, and I just feel like the world is ending. And and, uh, how am I gonna move on? How am I gonna make it through this? And it's like everything is, you know, World War III, and it's not. And so sometimes friends do that for us, right? In those moments when we talk to them and it feels like all hope is lost and they look at you and they go, no, man, you're gonna be okay. And it's like, oh, yeah, I will be okay. And so what Luke is doing here is he's doing a bit of comparing and contrasting in the story. He's showing us that there is this one group of people in the crowd who relies on self-righteousness and their self-centeredness and their ability to do things on their own, their own merit, their own work. These would be the Pharisees, the the leaders, the teachers, right? And then there's this other group of people, this, this, this paralytic and his friends, who realize that there's no hope in and of themselves, that they actually need something more beyond themselves to help this man. And so Luke is, is showing us this story, this, this, this paradigm in this story. The Pharisees um, assumed that they could usher in the presence of God simply by doing all the right things. And because of this, they marginalized, they separated people, they pushed people out of God's presence, and what Jesus was doing was actually unraveling that. He was bringing it back. In verse 20, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now notice what the Pharisees say. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins but God alone? In their selfishness, in their self-righteousness, they missed the healing work of Jesus in that moment. Again, going back to the context of of first century Jewish culture, again, sin is linked with physical ailments, disabilities, issues. And so when Jesus enters into this human cultural context, he doesn't say, uh, you can be healed walk first. Notice the first thing that Jesus says. He says, your sins are forgiven. This incenses those, those Pharisees, the religious leaders, because what Jesus did is he addressed the issue that they were all thinking in the room. The thing that everybody in that room was thinking, okay, great, here's this paralyzed man. Get him away from this teacher. He's not supposed to be here. He's unclean. And then what Jesus does is says, you are forgiven. Whoa, what? You would think that if he was paralyzed, he should have said, okay, you're not paralyzed anymore, you can go and walk. That's not what he does. He addresses the issue that's most pressing for the people in the room, which tells us something about how Jesus loves and how Jesus cares. Because he actually cares about the Pharisees and the wrong upside down way that they see the world. And what he's trying to do is is reshape their heart to understand what's most important in this situation. And so Jesus says, you're forgiven. Then he addresses the Pharisees, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But what I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So the first thing he cares about is the internal part. 
of this man. It says, your sins are forgiven. The most important thing, you're welcome. You have access. You get to be with Jesus. Nothing is holding you back. You're here. You're in. The Pharisees are livid. And he said, which is easier? But I know what you want. Okay, you're healed. Go and walk. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with the awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Jesus meets both needs. He enters into the cultural context of what's needed. He meets the need there, and he goes beyond that. He meets the physical need as well. The healing of this paralytic man happens in large part because of the faith of those friends. The faith of those friends brings this paralyzed man who has no access, who's not welcome, into the presence of God. He reshapes the hearts of those people who are staring at this going, how could you? And he heals. And he says, you're welcome. You're in. Jesus sees the extent of their faith for their friend. And after this this miraculous encounter, there's this moment that testifies to the work of Jesus in the lives of those who are standing around watching. That we need each other. That we are better together than we are alone. I know that sounds super cliche, but sometimes I think we need to hear it. Because for whatever for whatever reason, in our culture, we, we, we try to go it alone. We try to power up, we try to muscle up, pull up by our bootstraps, and just get through it. And I think it takes an incredible amount of humility to say, I can't do it. That I actually don't have the faith to carry myself through this season of my life. That takes incredible self-awareness and humility. To look at yourself, to be honest, and to say, I can't do it and to invite other people in. And you know what's crazy? When you do that, when you invite other people into your journey, you know what you find out? Here's the secret. You're much more alike than you are different. So we were doing these spiritual workshops, spiritual formation workshops, after, after services um, in consecutive months this past uh, few months. And uh, one of the biggest values that I saw in getting in a room and having an open dialogue about what it looks like to practice and engage in spiritual formations was that everybody thought that they were the only ones who weren't doing it. Or I wasn't doing it enough. Or I'm not doing it correctly. Or I'm not doing it right. And so we carry these burdens on us. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not living up to you. Everybody else around me is doing so much better than I am. And then when everybody gets in a room and starts talking, we're like, oh, we're not so different, you and I. We all struggle the same way. Oh, you don't understand the Bible? Oh, me neither. Let's just be a little more honest with ourselves and go, it's okay. That's all right. We do it together. We walk through this journey. We practice things together. If we're going to deconstruct, let's do it together, right? Because at different places, people have walked further than you. And so you need those people to kind of say, it's okay. You have permission. Keep going. Keep going. It gets better. I have people that I talk to in my life who are further down the deconstruction road than I am, and it's great because at times when I want to give up hope, they're like, no, it's okay. Keep going. It gets better. And sometimes what looks like better is scary, and that's okay because we've got other people that are in the room with us who are doing the same thing. Community gathering together leads to healing, but also a collective strengthening of our faith. 
when we gather together, it strengthens us. It creates healing. Maybe not a physical healing, but there's a sense that we're not so different. That the struggles that I'm going through, I'm not alone. That other people have gone through it, or are going through it, or have felt it, or have experienced it, or have been around it. And that is strengthening. So let me ask you a question this morning. What if? What if you allowed friends and family into your life, the deepest, darkest parts, the parts that you're afraid to talk about because you think people think you're weird, right? And then you talk to people and you're not so weird. You're just kind of normal. You're human. What would it look like for you to open up those anxious parts of your life, those fearful parts of your life, and share it with those who are next to you who care about you deeply? And sometimes the friendships that we have around us are, are, are deepened and fortified when we share in those moments, right? When we share the difficult times. I think when I, when I talk about my, my, deep, my deep friendships, I have lots of, I have a couple of friends, I have like three or four friends who are really close, who've been my friends for several years. And we have lots of good times. But the times that I talk the most about are the times when they were there with me in the moments that hurt and the moments that were hard the way they processed with me, the way they cared for me, the way we cared for each other in those moments, those are the ones that stand out. So what would it look like for us to be the type of people, the community that gathers to share those parts of our life, to be there for someone who needs it, to lean in? Healing comes from being with others and being known by others. That's a big one. To know others and to be known by others opening ourselves, letting our friends' faith carry us when we can't carry ourselves. Let me pray for us. God, we're grateful that you created us so specifically that we were meant to be in community and connection with others. And through others, it helps us see ourselves more clearly It helps us to see you more clearly. Uh, We pray that you would give us strength to open up those parts of our life in community, to engage in those parts of our lives that maybe we try to hide. Pray that you would bring those things out in us. And we pray that through uh, gathering and caring for each other, that we would grow. We'd grow in our faith and our strengths, and our understanding. We're grateful for this community. I personally am grateful for this community, for the hearts of the people who stood in the gap for others, for those who have chosen the path of adoption to care for those who were marginalized and pushed aside. Uh, This community testifies to your goodness, to your grace, to your love for the world. And so, God, we're thankful for this morning. We're thankful for our moms. So we love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we gather together, we will take the Eucharist. This is the center focal point of why we gather here today, which is to say that you have access, that you're welcome, uh, that there is no special preconceived place you have to achieve in order to get access to Jesus, that that you're here, that you're welcome. At this table over here, it's gluten-free, so if you're in need of that, you can take it there. Um, We also have stations up front, and we'll have our community pastors who will be there serving. If you need someone to talk to, someone to pray with, they would love to be able to do that for you. So the band's going to play some songs, and so this is your time to respond to the Eucharist around the room, and then we'll gather together one last time.
Oh, well, uh, there's a, a big joy in my heart. I'm so thankful for you guys and thankful for this community. I was thinking and reflecting about um, what you guys all mean to us and to my family, and thank you for walking this journey out with us um, and just being a part of it. And I've had so many great conversations that it fills my heart, and I'm excited uh, because I know that God is more than this, you know, that he's moving in your hearts. And so we're, we're grateful as a community, um, as a staff, we're so grateful for all of you guys. We just want you to know that uh, we really, really do love you from the bottom of our hearts. So thank you. Um, if you'd like to give, uh, you still can uh, to, to this place. Uh, we There is still rent to pay. And uh, so you can give financially. We have those uh, boxes there. If you want to give online, you can do that as well. Um, but uh, I want to do this. I want to read to you uh, the, the proper blessing from Nehemiah. And the staff will laugh because I cannot memorize it ever. I get it so confused, so I'm going to read it. But I'd like for you to all stand. If you get all just stand, I'm going to do it. Not from memory. Yeah. <laughs> just try. Okay. <laughs> all right. From Numbers. Okay. Chapter 6, verse 24 through 26. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go in God's grace. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.